Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code BCPOD to save $5 off your first purchase. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, you leather-jerking, crystal-button-not-pated, a-gatoring, puke-stocking, caddis-garter-smooth-tongue-spanish-ouch? Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. My name is Matt, and I really hope nothing I said there was a racial slur because this is the racism episode, and I ain't no racist. But in case it was, those aren't my words. They're the words of William Shakespeare from Henry IV. And I don't know what they mean, but they sure do sound insulting. And I hope y'all learn something. Now, let me learn you something else. Let me learn you some good, great, awesome news. And that is Matt, Toby, and Joey are going to hit the road again in January. We're going to come do the podcast live. And Matt and Toby are probably going to play some music, too. We're getting that sorted out right now. But... Here's where you guys come into play. We're going to come do that in your house, in your living room, in your back deck pool area. Whoever's got a cool house, hit us up. Email me at podcast at badchristian.com. If you live in Indianapolis, Nashville, Atlanta, or Columbia, South Carolina, We're looking for kick-ass houses, places in these cities, hopefully near urban centers so that everybody can come. We've got some other big announcements for these shows, but for right now, we just need some hosts. We need some people that could, you know, have us over there and another, you know, 30, 40, 50 of our friends. Uh, They'll all be really nice, I promise, and it works out great every time. Nothing to be afraid of. All you need is a medium-sized living room. That's really all it takes. You can fit more people in there than you would think. Now, we've done it tons of times with Matt and Toby, the podcast. It works out great. Nothing to be afraid of. If you're interested, last week of January, send me an email, podcast at badchristian.com. Also, thank you to the BC Club. The Bad Christian Podcast is listener-supported. If you hadn't helped out yet, badchristian.com forward slash contribute. All right, guys. uh, This is Toby. I got to do the intro. Matt and Joey are both completely hungover, terribly bad from last night. This is New Year's Day. They were drinking, driving, all the worst stuff. So here I go. I'm just going to try and do it on my own because all I did is stay in, keep the kids safe, and I read my Bible. So I'm the one that is here to ready to do my job because I love the Lord and I try to do the right thing. Hey, dude, you're wet. You are wasted. (laughs) I can smell it from here. Three, two, one. Jesus in the new year. All these peeps that I work with getting wasted. All these peeps not knowing the Lord. But I'm here to tell you about Jesus. We didn't come to have service. We came to have change. This is the bad Christian poor kid. Oh, Toby, you're so loud this morning, I can't take it. <laughs> it is New Year's Day. Oh, I feel great. I didn't have one drop of alcohol. I went, I went and exercised, power washed my driveway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys, did you, did you guys even have a drop of alcohol last night? I did, I had, actually. I had one mixed drink, at, and it was really good. Wasn't Amaretta it? Sour? No. What did you What did you do last night? You went out with your dinner lady. and a movie, man. We actually saw Wild, and it was Ooh. unbelievable. So I always like going to a bad movie because Jess, she just gets crazy. We just make out in the back row. Really, like, unreal. Have y'all ever gone all the way? I mean, many <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now she's going to be listening to this and she's going to say, no, we have never done that, which is actually true. I don't even think, have you ever made out in a movie theater? Yeah, I'm trying to was, think if I ever have. I was young, I, back in I, my I, young well, days. Well, here's the thing. I always thought, I just paid like, you know, 8 to $11 for this. Yeah, but we had a dollar theater in Charleston. We'd go see the same damn movie every week. <laughs> like Dumb and Dumber came yeah. out. We seriously saw that price seven times. So That's true. You know, the seventh time, it just doesn't matter. I remember, <laughs> now this shows you my sick male brain, but I can remember, this also shows you how old I am. I can remember going on a du- double date with my friend Billy Huffman. He set me up with this girl, and she was, I, when I get to the door, I promise, just not what I was expecting. <laughs> and uh so we, <laughs> well, she was, was beautiful nice. like, or what i'm just trying to be Stunning. nice in the new year in the new year i'm trying not to be mean guys okay. i just want to be legit so we go to the movies and uh we, w- we actually got to get go in because i think i was underage or maybe it was nc-17 or something like that they'd come out so we got to see basic instinct <laughs> so, so we went into First basic instinct and billy and i are just like oh my god this movie is just the best holy cow <laughs> and the girl that i was with i was already not attracted to and kind of a weird <laughs> personality. She was like, we have to leave. We have to leave right now. She said, I'm not watching this lesbian stuff. And I, I was like, damn it. I was like, this movie's good. You had, you know, I'm a 17-year-old dude, Sharon Stone, all this stuff. I'm like losing my mind. But here's what's awesome did you, about it. Did you it. actually have to leave? Yeah, she made us leave oh, the movie. Boy. And I thought this movie, that the other movie we went to see was going to be just awful, but I actually got to see in the theaters Biodome. <laughs> I love Biodome. <laughs> I know. So it ended up being a, just like really good because, I mean, you know, Pauly Shore, Stephen Baldwin, man, what a great movie. It, it sucks that, that I love Biodome because Pauly Shore is hilarious. And the sucky thing is Stephen Baldwin was awesome until he became a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so. so, Matt, Toby and I have been. But y'all didn't ask a, me about my New Year's still. F oh, your sorry, New Year's. Dude. What did you do? Did you go out with your lady? No, I did. We did a really smart thing, kinda at least. We decided since we have the baby and we can't do New Year's anymore, you know, it's like, oh, what are you gonna do? And right. so we had a party at our house and just put the baby to bed at eight thirty, and everybody stayed over here. So I actually am super tired. It's early in the morning here, and I was up till three in the morning because we had people Dang. over at the house. I made hot dogs outside and everything. So oh, it was it was dogs. it was fun. So we got to have a party here and and do all that. And then you know here I am doing my morning radio show. It feels like so. I guess the good <laughs> thing about doing the morning radio is you're fresh, your mind is clear, and your voice is a little extra low. I think that's probably why they like people like doing morning radio. But yeah, I had a good New Year's because of that. That's awesome, man. We we actually did the exact same thing, Matt. We had a party at our house. The only problem we didn't invite anybody. Yeah, and it was at so, six forty five and you didn't invite anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last night I was really thinking, I was like, Man, a whole do y'all do that like at the end of a whole other year just gone by I my life. I mean, I I'm just it. like, Man, a whole other year just gone. And I'm getting older. I'm thirty eight years old. I'll be thirty nine oh in March. I'll be thirty nine years old. That's one year away really? from forty. That's awesome. Yeah. That's going to be so I mean, fun. I've been predicting us playing rock shows when you were 40 for 10 years, and it really is I know. I'm really, I really believe you're going to be right. I, didn't, I never would have guessed that you know, 20 years I've ago, but here we are. I've been saying for 15 years, or 10 years, or 15, that you were going to play a show when Toby's 40 one day, and I mean, we're, it's going to happen. It was really funny. Like Last night and today, I just started thinking about these things and like signs that I'm getting older. I was just like, whoa, this is crazy, because it just kind of started popping into my head. So I wrote down a couple, and I was... As I get older, I'm going to share these with people. But uh, today I was jogging. As I was jogging by, I saw a playground, and I was like, I cannot go and enjoy a playground by myself anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I went to a playground to have fun, 
It, people would probably call the cops or something. I mean, like if I was just it, me, a giant bearded man sitting there swinging in a swing, yeah. people would be like, I mean, I can't go there for fun anymore. Now, maybe if my kids are there and nobody else is around, I can enjoy it, but I can't enjoy a playground by myself whatsoever anymore. I'm also bothered deeply now by younger people's decisions. <laughs> There's a young guy walking around our neighborhood trying to sell like uh, you know an internet package or whatever, and I just couldn't get it out of my mind how bad I felt for him. You know, it was like New Year's Eve. He's just walking door to door trying to do door to door sales, and I was like, "Guy's pretty good looking guy. Looks like he's in shape. Couldn't he just get a good job? Is this how bad? It is? I mean, what does his future look like?" And Jess was like, "What are you doing? Are you really like concerned over this?" And then the last thing that I thought, sometimes. I, I am somewhere that I know, like in my city or in my neighborhood, and I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't know where you're at? Well, well, this happens to me. Like, I know that I'm like in Charleston or in my neighborhood, right? But today, I, as I went jogging, I took a different route. And <laughs> when I got to a stop sign, I, I stopped and almost was like, I don't know where I'm at. I actually don't know how to get home. <laughs> like, and I do that. Like, if I go to the mall and go to like a new store that I haven't ever been in, like, I'll not know like exactly how to get out and there's a little bit of the tiniest fear of i don't know if i can get home by myself <laughs> <laughs> okay let's stop on that one a second what what do you mean you don't know where like what is okay like today why is it is it because you're it's somewhere new that you haven't been what's the part part about that i think it's that i feel confident in no like i've always been pretty good at directions like not like i don't know street names but i'm always good at, oh you turn here or i think if i go this way it'll be right and it, honestly probably 75, 80% of the time I'm right without needing assistance. But today I took a different way. And some reason when I got to the street, I, I didn't realize where I was. And I went, oh my God, where, how do I, do I go left? Do I go? And, and it took me, I just like looked up into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I'm confident enough in what I think I know. And then when it catches me off guard, I was like, oh, well, I'm on this road at a different point in that road. Next year, you'll be saying you don't drive at night anymore. Oh, dude, that's already <laughs> starting to happen. Are you serious? <laughs> my eyes are bad. Like It's tougher and tougher to drive at night. I'm like, oh, gosh. That's, it's just, that's I'm, I'm, I'm aging quickly, just as I lived hard. <laughs> you lived hard. Yeah, well, you had a good life. I mean, it's I been a, a wild good life. ride. I lived hard. Yeah, you, you do lived you, hard. Do y'all think that, uh, take Bad Christian, for instance, do you think that people will be more inclined to take us serious as we get older, more respected or less respected? I don't think people respect us. Well, so <laughs> I don't no think we're going to have that problem. So I, mean, I, don't, no, I, I, mean, I don't necessarily, I'm not trying to go for respect. I'm just trying to be myself. That's what I like. I, I hope people think this show is entertaining and funny. I, I mean, think the older you get, the way better you get at what we're doing right now. For instance, if I'm here in Seattle talking to people at a party, everybody listens to me. They like my accent. I can tell stories. I'm entertaining. So typically people kind of gather around me at a party or maybe I insert myself. I, mean, I know that's probably what's going on more than the former. But if I'm back in South Carolina and I go hang out with my dad or play golf with him and three or four of his buddies those guys can talk and tell stories and entertain and are charming and just full of euphemisms and funny stories and just they're quick their minds have to be slower but their wit somehow is just interacting with people and being charming is a skill and being able to talk better i guess is you get that more as you get older i think so i would say 10 to 15 years we'll actually be getting pretty decent at this podcast stuff so i yeah. think we'll be better <laughs> well speaking of the new year you know, it's time to start fresh, guys. I think it's... <laughs> Hang on a second. What's that alarm? What was that sound? That was Joey. And what was, was the alarm for? This Harry's. ad. 
<laughs> hey, you know what? I think that is progress, and I really appreciate that. I was hoping that's what that was. But that's what's funny is we're so old, we actually have to have something remind us. You had to set an al- alarm, an audio alarm to remind well, you to do it. Joey has an alarm. <laughs> Joey has an alarm to wake up in the morning. He has an alarm to uh, remember ads for podcasts. He has an alarm to make sure to take his pills. He has an alarm. <laughs> well, the, the, ir- the irony here is I forgot to hit start. So we were into it. I was like, oh, shit. And so I was like, well, I'll set it for 14. We've been doing this at least two or three. <laughs> well, I don't care how bad of a memory I have. One thing I can't forget is a great shave, and I have the best razor. That's right. And it comes from Harry's.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. This company is awesome. I love their razors. People say, you don't use Harry's. You have a giant beard. And I just, you know what I say to them? Have you seen the rest of my body? I'm like 99.5% covered in hair. I mean, I got hair everywhere, and that's disgusting. <laughs> but you get what your is not disgusting is awesome, and what gives me a great shave around my sensitive neck um, is just this Harry's razor. It feels like a classic, awesome black and white movie razor. Where the, you know, it's just like a great quality product. It's not some piece of junk that you spend way too much money for at the drugstore, or even if you try to go buy those other razors in bulk, it's just so expensive. I can't believe the prices. Harry's comes straight to my door. It's delivered through the mail, comes right to my door, and it's a great shave every time. I am in love with this product, and it never leaves those bumpy red bumps on my neck. It always leaves a clean, smooth shave, and I love this product. You guys have been using Harry's as well? Yeah, Yeah, I do. I love it. I do. What I wanted to tell everybody is just like – this they have a starter kit that's fifteen dollars. That includes the razor, three blades of three three blades and your choice of hairy shave cream or foaming gel. So I use the gel myself. I don't like the cream. But the uh and it adds, and as an added bonus, you get five dollars off your first purchase with the with our coupon code BC Pod. So after using your code, you get an entire month's worth of shaving stuff just for $10. So it comes to your house. So you cannot beat that by going out and buying something anywhere else. And, yes, I love the razors and the shave itself, too. So it's pretty unbeatable. And I will tell you something funny. I've always thought that I was a really horrible shaver until I got hairy. So I'm like, wait a second. I just had a horrible product. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what's awesome. The starter kit's $15, and you get a razor, three blades of your choice, and hairy shave cream or foaming gel. You should go there right now, harrys.com, which is H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and type in BCPod for your $5 off. That's our code, BCPod, and $5 off at harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Stop using those crappy blades. Use the best. Start the new year fresh and clean. So fresh and so clean. That's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, Harry's. And thank you to Harry's and all of our sponsors, and really thank you guys for supporting them. They keep coming back because you guys are using Harry's. You guys are supporting our sponsors, and that is awesome. So what we'll do now is what y'all love, which is get into some topics. So we're doing oh. a racism episode today, so let's, let's not goof around for an hour and a half. Let's talk about some real stuff. Hell yeah, Sound man. Good? Well, we actually had a listener write into our Facebook this has been a couple of weeks ago, but um, they were saying how um, that we need to talk about white privilege and that that's, especially the white Christian privilege and how we're, they were basically implying or saying that, uh, you know, white Christians don't realize how privileged they have it and are kind of unaware of what happens in the black community or minority communities as well. Um, and so I thought it would be good that we talk about this. Um, we're actually going to have Jake Doctor on. 
and uh, he's going to be talking about it. He's doing a lot of cool things, um, starting out in, in Portland and on the West Coast, but honestly just building a lot of awareness of what is white privilege? Uh, what is it that Christians are missing when it comes to racism? What is it missing You know, when we come to segregation and stereotypes? And honestly, I think for me, this is an interesting subject because I grew up in the South, and I grew up in a time, honestly, I was born in 76, so uh, there was, and I, I, there still is, I think it's a lot more hidden these days uh, in most parts, but uh, I remember growing up and just having like family members, older family members that would just say the n-word no problem i mean in front of anybody it doesn't matter if you're white or black or whatever and so growing up i didn't even necessarily realize that until going to school you didn't know it was racist i didn't know to say that it was bad i know know that i know that sounds crazy i i don't know if i knew it was racist i think i knew it was derogatory but i would say i didn't know that a word like that was actually what it meant and i didn't know anything about the black culture or what they had gone through and i was just a kid you know three or four or five years old you hear that from your family members you don't think anything of it and i grew up the same way what i'm wondering is in the southern culture in the 80s where i grew up when you would hear people use racial slurs all the time on the playground everywhere yeah. and people didn't think it was a big deal honestly that's what that's it seemed normal is that because we didn't think it was racist. Would, would you? Would those people say, "Oh, I'm not racist. I just say that word, or I just don't like black people"? Or I mean, what? What would they have thought? Yeah, I don't know if they. Th- how would they? That- how would they have explained at the time if you'd if you'd asked them and confronted them when you were nine? Say, Uncle Ralph, why? Why do you say that word? What would he say? Yeah, I, I think what they would say, they wouldn't have thought of even the idea of racism. It wouldn't be like that, you know. Like the idea of racism isn't. Uh, I I, th- I I know it's not a new idea, but that that whole idea wouldn't have even been coming to their brains. You know what I mean? They would have just thought that those people are this race and we're this race and we are different. That's it. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have thought, oh, my word usage here means something bigger than just this moment. You know what huh. I mean? So, so it's a little, yeah, I see yeah, what you're but, saying. But that all ch- started changing even from a very, very early age because I remember when I got to school, I can remember some family members saying, hey, listen, I know some people in our family say this. You can't say that. You know, you can't say those things. And, uh, that is just, you know, you have to be careful. And it was really funny. I remember having huge anxiety. It was like second or third grade. Um, I got in front of the class, and everybody did. And you had to uh, point to a nation, like in Africa, and a country <laughs> in Africa, and say, and, and it was Niger. And I had never heard the word Niger, 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 Africa, ever. You know what I mean? And I, I must have didn't study or whatever. So I was sitting there going, I'm about to, in front of everybody, have to say, and my teacher was say black. The, you thought you were yeah. going to have to say the N-word in front of the class it, it, as you read out was, the country. And my teacher was black, and I thought, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know what to do, and I was, I promise, I remember being so worried, and I felt like it was the Lord. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> at the last moment, I, I was saying, I, I, in my brain, that word was saying, I was saying the N-word, I was like, I can't say this, I can't say this, and it, I feel like the Lord, right at the last minute, gave me the word Niger, and I went, Niger, and it was like the most relief I'd ever had in my whole life at that point. But that is when I I remember realizing, wait a minute, you can't say this around certain people, and that and even that's a racist idea. But what I did, I didn't even know you you know what I mean. That's as far as it had gotten to that point. When I was that young, I just knew okay, now I know that I'm not supposed to say certain words in front of people. Like that's kind of a bad word, and you don't say that in front of other people. But honestly, I just thought of it more like a bad word. You okay, don't say so, butthole, and you don't say the n word in front of yeah, certain people. No, that's true. I think you're yeah, right. I think a lot of people just would keep it hidden and then not say it in public. So I guess it seems like we've come a really long way, though. So a lot of people would say 
like today is we're in really, really bad shape as a nation. But you'd say from your point of view that in the last 25 years, we've come extremely far, at least where we grew up. Like now that's not common anymore, right? I, I think we I think we have. But I'm telling you, there's been things that's happened to me that just blow me away. One hilarious story was when I was teaching at a middle school, vast majority African-Americans. I'd been there for like two years so, you know, being a teacher to these students for two years, you, you just become like family. So we're outside waiting for uh, the bus to come. And seriously, the white kids at this school, they stick out. I mean, there's just like maybe one in each class, if that. And so there's this one kid and boys, they were just being boys. And uh, two kids that happened to be black took his book bag and they were running around. And, you know, maybe maybe they were being a little off, maybe not. But it wasn't that big of a deal. This kid's mom happens to show up to the school, the the white boy's mom, and she actually turned to me in front of all of the kids, and she said, it's about time you start sticking up for your kind. And I, I was blown wow. away. This is in front of all the kids. So this this is like Hallmark movie. And I did not mean to make this sort of a hoorah, <laughs> yeah. but I responded to her in front of all the kids. I was just like, ma'am, all these kids are my kind black and white and the kids started to jump up they started and cheering yeah you like said that all those up, kids are my kind black and, and white yeah denzel showed up and I, yeah, I seriously did not mean to make that sort of a stir but the kids just how'd she react? crazy she yeah what did she do she just kind of stomped off i mean she couldn't say anything at that point wow but i just couldn't believe it i mean in front of all these kids she and she was serious she was just like you're white you stick up for my son and I was just like, oh, my gosh. I've never heard like this, this story, Joey. I, I think this is our first bad Christian movie. <laughs> <laughs> Middle school teacher Joey Spenson goes up against the... Takes a stand. But what also is interesting is after having grown up um, in the South, I, w- I would say, too, I, I know this sounds... I, I hope this doesn't sound racist, but I believe... <laughs> I, <laughs> but I believe in the South, honestly... Like I said, I don't know if it's the same, that, that racism idea seems so much bigger than the moment. Now, I don't want to diminish it, but I would say, too, like, I think a lot of times I, I think of racism uh, as, oh, this is these folks and this is these folks. I mean, I grew up in a high, you know schools that were 50%, uh, you know, white, black, and small Hispanic, and, you know, we, we had, like, no Asian people in our town at all. Like, I didn't no, I, I know. I always some, thought there was just two races. I pro- I really did yeah. think that. I just thought there was two, white and black. I, didn't, I, th- I would have yeah, I mean, we didn't even have, I don't even remember <laughs> having, like, a, a Chinese restaurant. Most people have, like, Chinese restaurants. I didn't even have one of those growing up. Like, it's crazy. My dad, we never went and ate Mexican food. He thought it was, like, some kind of crazy thing that only Mexican people ate. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, he's like, you don't eat that stuff. And, I, and then when I finally ate it, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like my favorite food in the world. But what's interesting is, and the well, reason why I say that is because I think, like, I, I've heard uh, on both sides so much, have, having grown up with a large black culture around me that I actually value and think is awesome. Like, I've heard tons of jokes at my expense for being white. Hey, white boy, you know, he's doing this or whatever, you know, but it was just like joking, messing with me. It's a, even if it was a stereotype against white people that we were nerdy or stupid or what, or, you know, whatever it might be like it, it just didn't feel like racism, the big thing. But I understand fully when we're talking about stuff like Ferguson, where, you know, somebody's dying or there's uh, white cops against young black men or whatever the situation might be. That is a different situation than what I'm talking about. And that's where it gets really scary. Cause I mean, if people start dying, 
you know, because of whatever reason. And it sucks because I think that situation uh, got so blown up and that stuff probably happens all the time on both sides. You know, there, there are, I'm sure there are black cops that kill white people and there are white cops that kill Asian people and, and Asian cops that kill uh, Mexicans, Hispanics, Latinos, whatever it might be. So those, the big thing is no matter what, nobody should die because of a stereotype for their race. I think we can all have a little more Chris Rock in us too. You know what I'm saying? Like what is the, what a, is that point of view? Because I know that's a lot of people. So just explain the that lightheartedness towards it, man. We are all like here. Here's one thing we all have in common. We all have a race. Like every single person on the face of the earth can identify themselves with being the majority one race. And there's funny things about all races. I mean, I was watching uh, look back on this last year. I died laughing. Chris Rock was talking about the uh, da- was it Dallas Mavericks owner that said some stuff, and he was just like, so so he said that. He doesn't want. He feels uncomfortable with his wife being around black NBA basketball players. He's like, "Me too." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "I mean, why can't we just laugh a little bit more?" But Toby, I think you bring up an excellent point. When people are dying, it's not laugh- laughable anymore. I mean, right? It's if, just, that, if like that was your son, right? You know, you wouldn't. It it's hard to get past. And I think the other thing is what people are frustrated with is it's just so easy for the opposite race to buy into the stereotype of, like, for example, in, in Ferguson, it was, oh, yeah, it was a, a young black man that uh, was aggressive and had committed maybe a, a robbery just earlier and was, you know, trying to fight. And also, that's what, you know, like, if, if you buy into the, oh, well, that's what a, a race is, then that is really racist. And if you're like, wait, this is a, an incident where this happened, and then you can judge it without the race. Hey, this, this guy's actions proved this way. This guy's actions proved that way. That would be way better all the way around. It really would be. But I don't think our culture is there. Like, I even think this could be racist. I actually feel more comfortable living in South Carolina uh, than I did in Seattle because I just felt like it was just a little bit, there was a little bit of an arrogant ignorance yeah. and sometimes with race. And I was like, man, I, I just felt better, like, like here in the South, I feel like there, there are black people and I'm happy <laughs> I know yeah. that, that, that can be racist. But like, I love the black culture. I love what it brings to our life. You're right about the probably the large cities and the West Coast cities and the educated people. There is somewhat of an ignorant arrogance that I think that they do have to to a lot of stuff, including the way it is in the South. So, for instance, the people out here really in Seattle really think of the South as a bad racist place. And it is it probably does contain more of that stuff, but it's not like they think it is. And they, uh, they're just lucky to live in a place where they didn't grow up or, and have to overcome some of the stereotype things ingrained in the culture. So they're, they're fortunate to not have to like really even think about that. They grew up, didn't grow up, uh, with it as much. So I think that the people out here are passionate about recycling but if they would have been born in Alabama in 1960, that same person that's a recycle hippie Seattle person would have been a cheerleader who was pro-segregation. The same exact person, same exact personality type in a different year with different parents yeah. in a different cultural setting. And that very same mentality would have been a race, would have become racist but just based on the culture it is. So it's a little bit elitist to say, well, we would never be racist because we're better right. than that. And that's yeah, not, that's I, you know that's just the way it is. So, so it can be a little feel a little bit arrogant, um, you know. Like I think people assume that I'm racist because I have a southern accent from the south, and it's weird. <laughs> I think they really do. I, do. I think they do. Well, I, I here's one thing I'm frustrated about in in the south is, and I and I used to do this is our quick little answers to make us feel better. For example, 
you know, look at Ferguson. Well, that's easy for us to point the finger. It's a tough job being a cop. And we say that, and then we're able to just be like, turn our a blind eye to all police brutality. And I'm not saying that's what everybody does, but I do think a lot of people, that's just convenient. Oh, well, it's hard It's hard being a cop. You know, or or the whole... Um, you know, well, look look at the gangster rap music. I can't believe they would ever talk about them being victims. Wait a second. Let's stop and think about what it's like to grow up and have to hit the deck because bullets are flying through the window. And you actually do have to figure out what gang to be in so you can protect your life. I mean, these are realities well, wh- that people face. What do you face. think the culture is like now? Like, let's just, like you just said that, people say, oh, well, being a cop is a tough job. So let's just say your church there that y'all go to. Out of all the people that go there, how many of them do you think side that way more so than there's injustice in Ferguson and it needs to change and we need to raise awareness? Or, they, or do you think the predominant people's like, yeah, being a cop's a tough job, that guy had it coming? Or whatever that mentality my is. Yes, my guess would be, um, it, and a lot of our listeners may not know that South Carolina is a very conservative state. My guess would be seventy percent of people would probably have a staple answer of, "Well, it's tough being a cop." Really, I that is so kind of. Yeah. Cra- I, I think people would be shocked to just see what the population's thought in other places, because even in just in certain circles, like there's certain circles where people are like really obnoxious one way or the other. And but, I'm going to say, and Matt, I'm going to say that's probably a pretty low percentage compared to other churches because we have a lot of progressive uh, type thinking. Yeah, hippie you're in a big city. People. Yeah. Um, so I think, well, no, I'm saying in Charleston, I think uh, the, it, that percentage would go through the roof. You'd have like 90 percent of the people thinking more of a conservative stereotypical Republican, well, I mean, we just you know need to crack down on... Okay, so put it this so. way. You think 70% of the people think that that guy should not have been indicted for killing uh, Michael Brown or whatever. That's right? Yeah, that's I don't it. know if they would yeah. go that far, but they would definitely have an answer. I like, think they would feel bad for his family, and they would think, man, that sucks that he died. But the cops but should... I've got yeah, they would think the cops shouldn't have gotten in trouble. Yes, and shouldn't anyone from trouble. our church that's listening to this, if you're offended by that uh, estimate, you, you're in the thirty percent. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> so what about the that? What about the Eric Gardner one? I mean that that cop. There's no way he should have got off, right? Yeah, I agree. Like I, I don't know. I, like I, mean, I don't. I don't. He used too much force, and there should be some punishment. I mean, a man died, and I mean his crimes. I, I mean. His crimes were like nothing. It was like se- selling single cigarettes here right, in yeah, New York nothing. illegally and stuff. I mean, marijuana charge here, there. But, I mean, the cop just got too aggressive, and you cannot do that. Now, I believe the cop on some level probably can't say this, but it is a mistake. But kind of going back to Joey's point, too, I think, I know this sounds crazy, but honestly, a lot of people's interaction with black culture is through, like, rap music that talks about <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like, like kanye west like i know that sounds crazy no but i'm saying i know that no but i'm just saying i know that sounds like another racist comment but i believe like for example growing up i listened to tons of gangster rap like you said like joe you're you were talking about you got to realize these people grew up in gangs and i was not all black people i say not i'd say majority <laughs> don't grow up in gangs right you know what i mean like they might grow up in in, in poverty and stuff like that but i mean but i'm uh, commenting on but people's I, reflection even, of that music. right and that's what i'm saying so my, my point would be i think that a lot of people think Black culture involves huge only like like the top ten things in black culture are like rims, getting money, <laughs> getting paid, getting rich, you know, shooting things up. But just because like the entertainment industry of it, and I think that's changing. But at the same time, it, it's even proven by like if you look like think about this, think about predominantly white baseball when there is a brawl 
it's called a brawl, not a fight or, yep. or anything. You know what I mean? Like it's called. Look at those like, that brawl, man. They that or look guy, at hockey. Tag, yeah, yeah. It, you know, like that's like encourage. But if like I was just watching it yesterday, Demarcus Cousins threw down a guy on the basketball, and and everybody was like, man, he should be ejected for the from the and game. They, they start, it immediately goes to the word thug. Yeah, it's almost it, like instead that. Of, like everybody gets that. You know what like, I mean? Man, I mean, so true. Like, like, but the guy really did undercut him. He was pissed, and <laughs> yeah. he threw the guy off of him. It's, and, and, and it's one of the big deal. Yeah, hockey and baseball, you can fight, and you can charge Nolan Ryan on the mound. Robin Ventura can charge him on the mound. And you're like a badass. Like, you're cool. But, I mean, like, remember when, uh, like, Indi- Indiana Pacers a oh few years gosh. ago? And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Ron Artest, man, he's just World the piece. worst. Yeah, all this. They're terrible. They're terrible. And I was like, it's just a fight. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the that's the culture. That's the idea of hey, you know, no, you can't show your emotion. You can't be mad or angry because that would – and that, I do believe that must be tough in the black community to, like, man, if you actually do get mad or pissed off or, or something like that, like, you can't react the same way as a white person does because everybody's immediately going to put that stereotype on you, and that is really terrible. And that's what I'm saying. If, if that happened with Michael Brown or the Gardner case in New York or whatever, like, if, if people are like, oh, well, that guy's black and that means he, that's he interesting. his options are this, this, and this, that, that racism is really bad because – yeah, and here, here's another example of what I'm saying as far as the South is you may have a black individual that talks about slavery in the South and reflects on that in a negative connotation and then tries to say, yeah, that's the sort of stuff. Well, our answer is always, well, we didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, we, we can't, and there's some truth to that, but can we also lend an ear to this kid that heard stories from their great-grandparents and was instilled in them maybe a sort of, uh, fear of that sort of thing and maybe a disdain towards white people for that like can can we it, can we open our minds and understand what it's like to grow up hearing stories not even going back to the 1800s but we're talking 1960s i mean yeah. and that sort yeah. of thing can can we afford to be more understanding i would say absolutely yes well here's what we do know is whether you're white black asian hispanic uh scandinavian um, Eskimoan, uh, no matter <laughs> what, you, uh, if, if you're a dude or if you're a girl, you probably have thought about going on your computer and checking out naked bodies. Lest anyway, it sound, hang on, let, lest it sound like we're just taking a very bizarre turn in our conversation, let's, uh, let's, we are in fact going to talk about X3 Watch here. Just so if you're a new listener, we didn't, we don't, we didn't just turn it to <laughs> the conversation to interracial porn. We just, uh, we, right? So, uh, X3 Watch, these guys have been sponsoring us for a very long time, and we're excited because we really believe in their product, and all of us use it as well. It's basically an accountability system built into your computer. You can go to x3watch.com, and if you go to forward slash bad Christian, you can get their premium subscription half off. Basically, what it looks like is you type in some email addresses that represent a, a digital accountability partner. So, you know, Toby and Matt are two of mine. If I go on a pornographic site or even something that uh, may be pornographic, uh, they will get notification of it. If you don't want to pay anything, there is a free subscription uh, that, that works very well that I've been actually using for years now. Uh, but this is a great product. If you go to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian, um, you get the premium for half off. We love this product. Uh, Toby, you actually recently uh, took yours off of your computer. Why is that? All right, cool. Well, let's go into our interview. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> yeah. Really funny. I was thinking, though, too, with this, I mean, 
with the new year and everybody who's listening to us speak right now, what is the reason you wouldn't add this software to your computer? Are you so above uh, and so confident that you won't look at porn anytime this year that you don't need it? That is a lie that you're telling yourself. You need Must help for sure. And it doesn't matter if you say, I don't have an addiction or I don't have an, a, a problem with sex or anything like that. This is a way to help your marriage. This is a way to help your mind. This is a way to do all kinds of things. So what... What is a good reason that you could think of this year to not have this protection? I mean, that, that, that's silly. It's the same thing as, hey, you know what? Don't, you know, you probably, you're a great driver and you hadn't had an accident in six months, so don't wear a seatbelt. No, that's not true. You're going to. It is going to happen, most likely, and it doesn't help you. It only hurts you, and that's what X3 Watch is all about. It's a community that keeps watch. Your friends are involved. Everybody's involved to keep you accountable, and that's why you need it. Yep, x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. This is all difficult subjects that they talk, and I guess the one difficult subject. Racism is hard to talk about because, like, the whole time you're just thinking, I hope this doesn't sound racist. And, like, any oh, counterpoint yeah, you make. So it makes me uncomfortable to talk about because I I want to think freely and talk openly and do all that, but it's it's difficult because I'm afraid, wait, what if I, if I argue with that? Will that make me sound like the bad guy? And I think that's one of the weirdest things we got going on in culture is there's people that don't know or don't care or maybe are racist, but there's so much fear of being labeled uh, racist that we are, people don't really talk openly anywhere. And there, you know, there's something not transparent about that because I think everybody fundamentally is racist to some degree and then is just guarded and protected and stuff like that. So I guess my ultimate goal would be to not even, yes, I guess it sounds racist to say, but I want to be over it or past it. And so we just don't even have to think about it or talk about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's funny. I even I totally agree. I even feel awkward like saying good things, like like yeah. I'm a, a rich white guy talking about. Like <laughs> it's really funny. When, this last tour, when we were in Indianapolis, we parked outside the club, and outside the club was what I would call a predominantly black barbershop. It was all black guys <laughs> in there getting a haircut. One guy would get a haircut, and the haircut lasted like. 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, whatever. And they were just all talking. And I was just watching from the bus. And I was like, man, it would be so fun to sit in there just laughing, telling to everybody's like falling out laughing. I was like, man, this is so awesome. And, and I was like, I can't go in there because I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, and like, I love the black culture. I love, I love all, all cultures. Honestly, I think there's just so much good we can learn from each other. Or, you know, even, and honestly, I think we are influenced by the color of our now, skin. Now, you said you love all ways, cultures. Yeah. You say you love, so, but what, is it possible to not like a culture? Is that not a valid thing? Like, oh, I've evaluated this culture of Scandinavian people in Sweden, and I've decided that I don't like that culture. Is that a valid thing? Well, here's what I would say about that. Thing? I think that's what you're saying. I wish we could get past it so you could say that and it not be racist. Right. Like, yeah, I just don't like, you know. I mean, is, what, it, is it not yeah. valid to to dislike a certain culture? There's a cannibal tribe. Well, I mean, we in, dislike, that's different than racist. We, we, <laughs> we, def we dislike certain uh foods in countries i mean i don't I, you know particularly sure. care for certain countries i always wonder so. in heaven are we all going to be the same color is that going to happen you Why think adam and be? eve were like interracial what do you mean <laughs> they were probably like, medium like was brown. adam black and eve was asian <laughs> i mean seriously who knows <laughs> right mean? they were whatever but, the but that's what i'm was saying like that, doesn't all white people think that adam and eve were white <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody thinks that i mean every picture you've ever seen of adam and eve they're white White, white, white. But, I mean, honestly, they probably weren't at all. Well, definitely so not white, no. It, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. That's what that's what you think. You're going to walk around and see Adam and Eve, and they're going to look like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie or something. It's not going to happen. So, <laughs> all right, let's bring our guest on. <laughs> all right, so we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with Jake Doctor, and uh, we'll ask him. He's a real uh, 
Yeah, well, he, I, I hesitate to use the word progressive, but he's definitely got his ear to the ground as far as what on the forefront of, of listening and talking about white privilege and, and writing stuff. So uh, I think that's something we could all learn from. So we'll have him on here in just a minute. After yeah, the break. He, he his story is basically like American History X. Okay, let's bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. As you know, we've opened up some advertising space on our podcast for bands to get their music out there. We thought since we have this platform, we'd give other people the opportunity to share, and maybe we could pick up a few nickels along the way to help us cover our cost. So if you're interested in that, go to badchristian.com forward slash band promo. You can submit your band right there, and we can feature it and play it right here on the show and let people decide for themselves if they like it or not. And so we're going to play a clip right now from a band called Wild Earth. So I'll let the clip speak for itself, and then when the clip's over, we'll let Toby hook you up with some information if you like it. That was Come All You Weary by Wild Earth. Wild Earth is from Phoenix, Arizona. Go to wildearthmusic.com and pick up their brand new record, Orchestrate. They're on Come and Live Records, so go to comeandlive.com forward slash albums forward slash orchestrate to check out their record now. All right, Joey, can you introduce our guest today? Or Toby? Uh, I am ill-prepared to do that. Toby, are you prepared? I will. I, l- 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 let me introduce our guest, Matt. Okay. Let's give Joey a break here. Uh, Joey, you relax. Jake Doctor it. is a hopeful Christian from Portland. He has been involved in social justice and faith as a columnist for Relevant Magazine, and he was a staffer on To Write Love on Her Arms, so he's been doing a lot of stuff. He's a really, really good writer, which I'm not, so I'm always impressed by people that can write words and use them properly. Uh, but right now he currently helps edit and lead the theology of Ferguson. It's a blog site on uh, a loose work, loose network of activists, theologians and leading and leaders wrestling with and fighting racism. So a lot of people have been writing us about racism. We thought Jake would be a great voice to hear from. So what got you fired up to do blogs and to become an activist? I mean, really, it's just about discovering my identity as a Christian and seeing that as something about we're called to bring about wholeness and unity and and whatever that would be. You know, I have a lot of friends who are really fired up and activists about environmentalism and ecology, and it's about creating a unity of the creation. You know, God God created the universe and earth to be whole, and we've broken it apart, so we need to bring that wholeness back together. So how would you, uh, there's all kinds of different racism, and we can get into those institutionalized, there's overtly on the nose white supremacists, and then there's just cultural norms and biases, stereotypes that are pervasive, even though they're, yeah, not, yeah. they're not noticed. So there's, there's lots of different kinds. But overall, how would you rate America in 2014 as far as its racism goes? 
by and large, the majority of people are not card-carrying KKK sure. member bigots. You know, those are obviously just a very loud but very vocal minority of people. I think most of the stuff is what you're talking about is kind of folks who would consider themselves good people, folks like us and like myself or how I grew up. And, you know, I still, a lot of the reasons why I'm so interested in racism is because I see it in myself and I hate that and I want to fight it, you know? Mm -hmm. We have to recognize the sin in ourselves before we point it out to somebody else. But we're, there are a lot of people who are just involved in kind of the general white privilege where we don't notice it, we don't see it. Well, I think what you're trying to say is like, for example, racism is still super prevalent, still exists. But look at the fact that we actually get to talk about Ferguson. Nobody talked about those 60 people that were lynched back in 19. You know what I mean? Like the idea of it being okay is gone. I, I would say most people, if they are racist, besides that s silly vocal minority that's like, you know, the KKK or, you know, Westboro Church, whatever they want to be, I would say most people now think racism is bad. They think slavery is bad. They think it's awful, which it, it is. And now we're actually able to talk about it so that there has been some change, wouldn't you say, Jake? No, I would say definitely there have been some changes. I would maybe argue that we don't really talk about it. I grew up in a white evangelical church where we never talked about it. And by and large, you know, even if we're talking about today, kind of in a post-Ferguson, uh, post-Eric Garner world, by and large, white evangelicals have not talked about it. It's kind of been a silent issue. That's why you have, you know, a lot of pictures. You see signs of people at the protest holding up signs that say white silence equals white consent. Because a lot of people in the African-American community are saying, where are you guys? You're not talking about it. And for me, that's one of the huge things that we need to be talking about is us as white guys. Yeah. How do we take care of our stuff? You know, For us to be silent is to be complicit, you would say then. I would say so, yeah. L let's catch everybody up on what white privilege is. Because when I hear that, it sounds almost a little irritating. Like It's just frustrating to hear people tell you, well, that's white privilege because it feels dismissive. A, a lot of times white privilege is misunderstood where when you're having a conversation, and I've had this conversation with others, and when I first started having these conversations, I kind of felt defensive about it as well, because I'm saying, no, I'm here, I'm trying to talk about this stuff, I'm not the problem. But when people say, well, that's your white privilege speaking, um, it's not necessarily saying that you're, that's your racism. We operate from a different perspective. We operate from a different ability based upon the thing that the culture gives us. And I think that's something we need to understand about white privilege is not that it's something that we consciously do or that we're choosing. It's something that the culture gives to us that we're operating with, whether we are aware of it or not. Well, let's talk about something specific here, like Eric Garner and Ferguson. Let's just, let's do Eric Garner. Start with Joey. Joey, what are your thoughts on the Eric Garner situation? I mean, I, I personally think it is a specific example of excessive abuse of police power. And I don't want to dismiss, you know, I, I know it's something that a lot of white people say, well, police are in a tough position. I don't want to dismiss that. I, I agree with that. But I also don't want to use that to excuse uh, what I would call abuse of power. And I think because uh, police force is, is just so massive, so big, you know, you take a small percentage of the police force and and if you have you know a small percentage that abuses their power that's a lot of police i guess the question on that though is the non-indictment of him like he did it that doesn't yeah. surprise me in the slightest that i expect that from cops tell you the truth so whatever that means about white people black people i literally expect that from cops because it happens it happens a thousand times more than you think now how with this video footage is he 
of that, how is he not indicted? That's the real question. That's yeah. everybody. And what's funny is the people that took the footage were indicted. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the people that, the, I think the people that actually took the foot, footage of it, the videoed it, were indicted and he weren't, he wasn't. The thing that, here's the, here's the thing I actually think about it. It's just so much bigger than this. Like, that's what I hate about our media. And I hate that it immediately becomes, uh, first of all, somebody died. I mean, we, we should, you know what I mean? Like, the idea of that is like, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy was choked out to death. And if that was my son or my brother or my father, I would be just obliterated. I mean, I, I, there's no, no words that can console me. It's a senseless death. I mean, that, it's, it, that was not right. It is bad. And then I go back to what Joey says on a certain on, then on a certain level. I'm like, man, our police and it, I think Charles Barkley even said this without police. Look what would happen. I mean, it would be really bad. You know, it, it, it wouldn't be the police doing it. It'd be just, you know, things would get we go back. I think Charles Barkley said something like going back to the Wild West. So the idea of not trusting our police is a horrible idea or a horrible thought or not being able to do that. The idea of our police being able to kill at whenever they choose or see fit is really scary and horrible and no no good. And I hate that we can't actually have it feels like to me, uh, we can't actually have a conversation about it. Going going back to Jake's point of I think everybody's just scared to say anything because you just don't we it, it it's it's an issue rather than, hey, let's we're humans. Let's let's talk about this in a hum, human way. And, and then it just is side against side. Now I, I know this may sound kind of um uh, I, I hope it this doesn't sound apathetic and i and i do think that this gets me off the hook so i'm acknowledging that but i i just i don't see though how we can fix racism outside of of god's kingdom and his redemptive plan for people's lives so in other words if if we tried to figure this out through the government i think that's okay that doesn't fix racism so i mean for for Someone in in my shoes, I'm thinking, okay, I hate racism. I hate when I deal with it personally. I hate that any of us deal with it. I hate what uh, blacks have to encounter. I hate what Indians have to encounter. I hate all this stuff, but do do we have anything that we can do to help outside of just people finding the love of Jesus or Christians that have found the love of Jesus and are more racist than people outside of the church and, and God working on their heart. I mean, what can, can we do something? Well, I mean, what, what can we do? Well, I think that's the kind of false dichotomy we create is that there's yeah. the civic life and then there's our Christian life when actually those two are brought together. We have, I mean, obviously we have one of the best examples of like one of the greatest American prophets is Martin Luther King Jr., where Dr. King was hugely involved in the civic political protests of his day, but that was directly a cause of his faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. You read his speeches, those are full of talks about the kingdom of God. And you read like letter from Birmingham jail, which is all about him writing a letter to clergy saying, this is why I as a Christian believe this cause is just. If we talk about racism, how do we solve racism, this global problem, this American problem? It's too big. We can't solve it, so we easily go, peace, I'm out. You know, like, there's nothing I can do that I can't stop it. But I think if we can start saying, it, what can I do? How can I solve it at home? You know, in that study that I was talking about, one of the other questions they asked was, um, in the last year, when, uh, I've got it right here, in the past 12 months, how many times have you been in the home of a friend of a different race or had them in your home? So the majority of people say we should be separate but equal. Then they say, when was the last time you went in the home of a person of a different ethnicity or had them in your home? The vast, the, the biggest majority of people, their response was never. 
So obviously, if you're not in community with people of color, then of course you're going to say it's okay if we're separate be equal. But if you start getting to know people, you start getting involved and you start getting plugged in, you ask a friend over for dinner, then you see something on the news that says black people are all looting and rioting in Ferguson, they're all angry, and you go, well, I've got my friend and he's not that way and we talked about it and it's great. So we can start with, we don't start with solving racism, we start with having someone over for dinner. Well, say on that on that front, I'm in really good shape because my wife is a different race and my daughter's half a different race. So every single day, I'm in the home of other races. So I'm gold you on win. that one. <laughs> and, and that's actually a really good point because there's another study that talks about um, one of the best things that you can do for to kind of end prejudice is with your kids. Start with your kids, and the more people they the more people that they see that are different than your kind of nuclear family, even if it's people of the same color. But, you know, a lot of times you have kids, and I've got a nine-month-old daughter at home. I know how it is. Um, we kind of get insular, and we protect ourselves from the world. But the more people that come into the house that our kids see that are different, that we say, hey, this person's a part of the greater family, the, more, the less likely they are to be prejudiced. So the more people of color that they see, the less likely they are to be prejudiced as an adult because they learn to identify not the in group is these couple people that look just like me, smell like me, have a similar voice, but it's safe to be around other people, you know. So when you're going to church, when you're going to community organizations, take your kids along. They're going to start to see that other people outside of this little group constitute our community, constitute our family, constitute the body of Christ. Well, that's what um, I like about big cities and being diverse. So I live in Seattle, urban, and I love that there's a lot of diversity there. I think it's good for my family, for my daughter, everything. But here is something I think is really, really practical that I, I don't know the answer to, but I'll tell you my approach. My daughter is mixed race. She's Mexican, black, and white. So here's the question. Fundamentally, I'm not sure that, like a lot of people would say, and I think a lot of the progressive movement would say, so you have to educate her on things of race and how the police will look at her different and how she needs to be aware of this and that or whatever. But my approach as of right now is to do nothing whatsoever about calling attention to that her skin is slightly different than other people's. And I may be wrong or right about that, but my approach is, what are you talking about? You're just Georgia. That's, it doesn't matter. Don't even think about it. Go. Yeah. So what? Because I know some people would say, and I actually feel like that might be a mistake we make in practicality when we talk about when we all we do is talk about the disadvantages of the other races, I don't really find that helpful. I know that might sound ignorant, but I yeah. don't. What do you What do you think, or what's the stream of thought on that? Well, I mean, I'm white. My wife's white. My daughter's white. So it's something that I don't practically have to think about. But I have friends who have, you know, one of my good friends, one of the editors of Theology of Ferguson, Mickey. She's her husband's white. Her kids are mixed race, and she's kind of having these same issues and these struggles. Of she has black sons. Well, I'm saying it's not a struggle. I'm just not even going to think about it. I mean, I'm thinking about racism on the whole, but I'm not worried about my daughter's color. I'm not even going to draw attention to it. It doesn't matter. Is that wrong? The issue in that thing that we're talking about, and I'm not in any way trying to say like you're doing anything wrong because it's an, obviously an individual parent-by-parent -parent basis, but it's not necessarily how you see your daughter. It's how the world sees your daughter because Mike Brown's parents saw him as their son, as a kid with the future. Darren Wilson saw him differently. Eric Garner's parents saw him as a kid and they had the relationship the same way you do with your daughter and they chose to raise him however they did. But the cop who put him in a chokehold saw him differently. So we oftentimes have to think of not just about how do we see our children, but how is the world going to see but our children? But don't we have to be careful not to coach them into a naturally adversarial 
position with authority and other racists, though. That's where I well, would Matt, say. I, I, I will say that there are some white families at our church that have adopted uh, black babies, and they have actually been instructed to uh, culture uh, their adopted kid of the black culture. Um, I mean, like educate on the black culture, make sure they're around other black kids, um, make sure they go to a black barber and all that stuff. So I would say most people would, or a lot of people would disagree. They'd say, no, 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 you do need to treat the situation differently. Well, it may be my privilege talking, but I'd like to say I'm post-race, and then my daughter is not going to have any systemic issues that she doesn't get coached into. But over-talking about it might make her be more sensitive or respond differently. Just like, I mean, I think it's the opposite of encouragement, so to speak. So I want everybody to treat everybody equally. That's what I want. What's the best way to achieve that? I'm not so clear on that but i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. and that's something that we should all be hoping for and that's obviously our goal as christians right there's kind of that tension of we as christians should be hoping for the best we say we you know we know that we have a sin nature but we want to treat we want to treat people with grace but we have to also understand that there's a broken world you know i don't know if you guys read about it but um there there was a recent uh situation where a African-American kid was arrested by police for breaking and entering because the neighbors called the cops saying this kid's breaking into his house. That kid lived in that house. He was adopted by a white family. He was at his own home going into his house after school, had a key, walked in. A neighbor saw a black kid walking into the house. You know, that happens. The biggest point here I think that I want to just stay on is it seems like, honestly, the the best thing we can do is, is keep the conversation going and as Christians really do talk about this even talk about our own like like i thought it was cool that you said like realizing racism in your own life it, it might not be you know kkk racism or the wildest thing in the world but i think everybody and we've talked about this on i think everybody on a certain level uh has a at least a stereotype in their mind of oh wait uh what is this going to be like what is that and to not immediately judge that person if you see something go oh well this is what they are and and if that's the case, then we do, as Christians, we really do need to to reach out and try to break some of these barriers in a way that is conversational and honest. Like, hey, yeah, I mean, it it'll be different uh, if our churches combined. You know what I mean? Like, if 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 this white church and this black church combine here for a Sunday or whatever, it might be a little different, but that's okay. It's, it that's the thing I want to celebrate some differences. I, I, you know what I mean? Like some of the, the like. I, I love, honestly, and I hope this doesn't make me racist, but like a, lo- a lot of parts of black culture, man, I am so fascinated by and enjoy and think are so fun and neat and different than the way I grew up. And I, and I, I almost want to celebrate that. Like I love uh, just, just a ton about the culture and I, and I would hope that they love a lot about white culture or Asian culture or yeah, I almost uh, feel like culture. I have to apologize for saying that because I feel the same way. Like I almost feel like I have to say, uh, like you yeah. just did. Right. I hope it doesn't make me sound right. It, it shouldn't. Right. Like I felt uncomfortable before saying, "Man, I love uh, Kings of Comedy movie." Like, right. like, am I? You know, it, I don't want it to think I just like it because they're black people. Be black people being black people. I actually just think it's funny and hilarious, and I just think they're great and cool. And I just, I don't know. It's just they. I don't know. It, it, what do you mean they? Do you, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that's the thing. I think everybody, part of the problem is the reason we don't talk about it is because we're scared we're going to mess up. You know what I mean? Like we're scared we're going to uh, let a little racism slip out or say something that was unintended and it comes across racist and what happens. And that's not what we're trying to do. I think that's what's important about like conversations like this, you know, and at first when we were talking about potentially me coming on the show, I was like, ah, I don't want to be another white guy co-opting the conversation. But at the same time, 
I think we as white Christians need to come together and talk amongst ourselves to say, what is our responsibility? How do we own up to the stuff that we've done wrong? And at the same time, how do we create safe spaces where we can get together and talk about those things and ask the stupid questions of like, hey, what about this? What about this? Where we, you know, because we are largely responsible for a lot of the systems and a lot of the situations, yeah. not individually, but as a culture. So we need to come together and say, you know, hey, we got to talk about our stuff. So and what about the police? The other Let's just say, what about the police? What do we do about them? I mean, are you and like I'm not anti-police. I, I'm, that's not my point of view. However, I think the police attract a certain breed. Honestly, I think they are rough. They do uh, too quickly. They're they're coached into it, and the people are attracted to that role. Just like I think youth ministers are a role yeah. that attracts weird people. Uh, I really do. I think I think <laughs> school teachers are attract a certain breed. Military police uh, that's just that's just the way it is people are attracted to certain roles and then the systemic way that we train police we've uncovered now with the internet and videos there's a lot of flaws in it so i'm not blaming even blaming police or whatever but it should be easily admitted that we got some big problems in how they handle stuff or do we think or or do you and other people think well the police are bad or they're the enemy like how do we do that no i mean i definitely don't think that they're bad and they're the enemy i have a lot of friends who are police officers here in portland um, at the same time, I volunteer and I'm, or, and I'm a part of an organization that works for police accountability and is against police brutality. And I think there are a huge amount of cops out there, probably the majority of cops, who are good people trying to do good work. And they would say, you're right, we need to work on these things. Um, so p- police accountability is not necessarily anti-police. It's saying we mm-hmm. support the police. We want the police to be as good as they possibly can. You know, um, So here in Portland, we work towards that. You know, I, We're organizing marches uh the organization i work with you know advocates directly with the mayor's office of the city of portland the department of justice just uh issued a lawsuit against the portland police bureau because of its disproportionate use of force against citizens there's some actually huge systemic racist problems with the portland police bureau um but so that's what we can do is like find out what's going on in our city and say how do we partner with organizations that are working in these areas, educate ourselves, number one, so we even know about it. I still bring that up to folks and say, did you know that the Department of Justice just sued the Portland police because of its disproportionate use of force? And they go, I had no idea. Uh Those are largely white people who are saying that. Um, But then we can invite them in to say, hey, come to this thing. Educate yourself about it. We're doing a prayer vigil. Okay, I've got an idea. Let's put this out there in the world. So here's what we're going to do. Like I said, the cops get attracted to a certain breed, and I think that might be part of the problem. No offense to the cops. But here's what we need to do. The activists and social progressive people like you, Jake, you guys need to become cops because you you guys are the (laughs) nonviolent ones with all the ideas. I'm serious. If you care about racism, you can start by having a conversation, or you can write a blog, or you can, you know, uh, criticize racist people from the side. You can do whatever you want to. Best thing you could do, go be a cop and be a good one. How about that? I bet you a lot of people have taken that response. They should. I I, that's, that's what I'm idea. saying. I think the passive and progressive people that wouldn't want to be cops because that's like violent stuff, then you should be a cop. That's why I always think the, the person least attracted to youth ministry that's a wise, you know, not somebody not attracted to going to hang out and be goofy with kids, like a wise, seasoned Christian man that has no interest in being youth minister, he would be a great person to assign to youth ministry. I really yeah, believe that's that. Yeah, that's great. I think it's a great idea, but at the same time, I think we need to take the people who are drawn to be cops and teach them, hey, you have this calling, 
Let's educate you so you can be a better cop. Youth ministers would make great cops. So let's make the training. Let's switch the signs on the doors for the training academies for youth ministers and cops. <laughs> and they'll just say, yeah, sign me up. And they go in there and they turn out it's the police academy. That'd solve it. Jake, do you have a level of support, dare I say, for uh, like rioting? Like a level of understanding? Well, I understand rioting. where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe protesting or something. No, I mean, I think it's a really good question, actually. Um, you know, post-Ferguson, all of a sudden... Uh, I mean, something something you wrote in your blog, it definitely, I, I kind of got the feel of, okay, wait a second, is, is there some validity to this? Did you read Joshua, Joshua Crutchfield's piece? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, that's a really phenomenal piece, and he talked about it, and there's some other posts as well on the Theology of Ferguson that talk about it, because the, you know, the non-indictment came down, uh, and then all of a sudden there was riots that were happening, and people were saying, what's going on here? And all of a sudden people started distancing some, themselves from their protesters, um, and, you know, how do we make sense of this? Um, you know, the same thing happened kind of after the Rodney King thing, after the O.J. Simpson thing, and a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's just another excuse for black people to get angry, and that shows their true mentality it's kind of a way for racists to prove their point you know so look at these people they're just rioting um but how do we what do we make sense of that you know um christina cleveland wrote a really phenomenal piece called the cross and the molotov cocktail um that she posted on her blog and allowed us to repost um where she talks about we can look at the action which is throwing a molotov cocktail or you know burning down a building that is a negative action but what is the emotion and the thing behind it, the anger and the being pissed off about the injustice? That is not a negative thing. That is something that we should be angry. We should be pissed off. So if we can start validating the emotion and providing a way for them people to express it, um, you know, but they that's the point is that they have not been able to to have an avenue of expressing that we have not allowed african-americans to express anger when they do we just write them off and say you're just an angry black guy um instead of but nobody says that when uh white people are rioting in seattle after the super bowl you know after the super bowl or nhl fans riot after their team wins the stanley cup uh, which happens all the time but we don't say oh they're just angry white people we go oh they're just you know punk kids right. that are they're getting a little riled up you know well, it um, might be fair to say that when people do that, you got to say, oh, well, every protester isn't a bad right person, just like every cop's not bad. So, Yeah, exactly, and that's, that's what happened in Ferguson is there was a really small group of people. Most of the people that I know sure. in Ferguson who were there at the time said that the people that they noticed that were starting some of that stuff had not been around. They, they weren't, weren't yeah. protesters. They weren't people that were involved. No, sure. You know? Nor are good cops like the bad cops. So, but what my exactly. big takeaway is: don't do that. Uh, big the, the whole side. Don't immediately everybody figure out which is your side. Or, you yeah, know, exactly. Like that f funny Facebook post. I don't know if you saw it or somebody wrote it. That hey, remember it's me, your friend from high school that never left our hometown and works at, uh, and loves the Olive Garden. Anyway, here's a racist article. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because you do see that. I see that all the time. Like people that I actually know and don't think are terrible people, and they're just they post all kind of stuff showing, hey man, it's white people too. Don't buy into that race. I, I don't know what the point of it is. Just to show that. Yeah, and I think I, I that's really kind of the larger it. point is how do we take the stance of listening first instead of trying to say here's my opinion. But you know, let's yeah. how, especially as we as white people, when we see something like that happen. Let's before we start spatting off on what we think, we need maybe take a step back and say, "Hey, let me listen to some folks." Yeah, me, I agree. I, let I, me I find think some need, people yeah. that we can, you know, submit ourselves to and say, "Hey, you know, we should have those friends of color." Not to go to them to say, "Hey, you need to be my coach." 
you know, but to say, hey, I got a couple questions or we go ask other people who we know are similarly inclined to say, I'm trying to make sense of this. Have you read anything good? Can you recommend any podcasts? Can you recommend a book? Um, you know, have you heard any pastors give any good sermons? Unfortunately, on this? that's not a very common way that people talk. I don't hear a lot of that. Unfortunately, most people don't spend a lot of time well, trying to educate Well, I wish what, what I actually wish could happen is we could actually just extend grace on both sides and allow for some mistakes without, you know, immediately judging. If we, if we can do that, then I think a lot of growth could happen. Like, I mean, I think if we could actually go, okay, listen, I'm going to talk and, and then I want to listen. And what you say or what I say, we might disagree with, but let's just start here and try to move on because the the goal is to end racism and i don't know if we ever will in this life it's a pretty huge uh thing to try and get rid of certainly say we won't i would certainly yeah we won't but we should at least try is my point i I think we should try so but i mean overall honestly i feel good like one of my favorite movies is good burger so i mean what are you gonna do just good burger (laughs) home with a good burger home with a good burger so yeah go ahead joe i was just gonna say i mean I, i i think we definitely need people that have a higher sensitivity level I think my initial reaction is more like Matt's just because I see the huge progress from my grandparents' generation to my parents' generation, then to my generation. And now it really seems like my kids just have like such a complete innocence. Um, and, and maybe I'm just naive, but hopefully, hopefully I'm not. It, it really seems like how they seem race and different colors is just at a very healthy point, but Maybe, maybe I'm blind to it. So I, I definitely think the conversation's needed. So Jake, your website, uh, everybody can find it by just googling "theology of Ferguson," and your name is Jake Doctor. Appreciate having you as a guest and getting to hear, you know, think some of this stuff out loud because we don't know too much about it. And that, that uh, that's good. So thank you for educating us somewhat and sharing your definitely. POV. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, Jake. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the time. All right, that was Jake Doctor, everybody. Jake, we enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you for getting us going with a little education Thank on you, some Jake. important matters. And America, get your shit together, America. Let's be yeah, nice. A bunch at, of racist assholes. Yeah, all you <laughs> cops, lay off. All you uh, bad people, stop committing those crimes. White, black, Chinese, everybody. No more crimes. No more bad cops. Fair yeah, enough. And that, include, and that includes you, mom and dad. Yeah. Rednecks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I I meant to ask y'all before when the podcast on earlier in the show because right before we went on, Joey said, "Hey, I want to tell a story. Uh, would it be a good story or not, Toby? Do you want me to do me kicking the dog in the face story?" <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea what that story is, but I don't want to let the podcast go without hearing what. What in the world is the kicking the dog in the face story, Joey? Explain yourself, Joey. Explain myself. <laughs> well, I'm 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 jogging with my two and a half year old Waylon. He's in the jogging stroller, and a dog starts running behind me, which uh, it already kind of freaks me out because I know joggers have been bitten in the ankles. Well, I look back at this dog, and it definitely has some pit in it, um, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you go with your stereotypes again. Uh, no, <laughs> terrible. Didn't you learn anything? Be a racist of a dog. <laughs> yeah. So immediately, I'm like, no, no, get away, like in a super happy <laughs> voice. And so almost immediately, the dog stops following my ankles and starts trying to catch up to the jogging stroller, Waylon. And then that's when Daddy Instincts just just <laughs> overtook me, and I just basically stopped. And just kick the dog square in the face as hard as I could. As hard as you could? As hard as I could. It was just, it was like trying to boot a soccer ball. So you stopped, the dog stopped, looked at you, and then you... 
It was all in, him. In it the, was. <laughs> it was. I'm all, just trying no, to for the listeners. Yeah, I, I don't want to yeah, make I'm, sure they know you weren't. You didn't do a running kick. No, I was still running. <laughs> I was still running. Toward so it, so it you basically like punted his face. It was all in. It was all like in one motion. It was My just like Lord. run, 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 turn around, bam. And here's the thing is, if I was going to kick this dog, I wanted to kick it so hard that it wouldn't even think about coming back after me because I was just like, I don't know what this dog is after. Pit bulls are nasty animals. Yeah, you wanted animals. it to die. No, that's not. Pit bulls are not nasty not. animals. Okay, well, they're scary. <laughs> they're nasty so, animals. <laughs> they are nasty animals. All right, so any, anyway, the owner, the owner happened to be out there. Um, and so, because she was throwing the frisbee with her dog, <laughs> won awards for being an awesome dog. <laughs> so immediately, she starts to call the dog off of me, like it, like this dog shouldn't have been running out there. But then she looks at me and she said, "You had no right to kick this dog in the face." And I was like, "Well, ma'am, the dog was coming after my son. You have no, you sh- you did not have to kick the dog in the face." So she starts to yell at the person inside the house. The person inside the house seems to get super pissed off, so I'm thinking, they're going to sick this dog after me and or Waylon. And so I was just like, look, if you want me to call the cops and we can all just talk about that, talk about this, okay, that's fine. She's just like, well, you go ahead and call the cops. So my adrenaline just took over, and I just took my cell phone. I I hit 911. I said, look, I don't know what's really going on, uh, but you may want to send the cop this way, (laughs) I think. (laughs) <laughs> these owners are going to sick their dog on me. And so I go down to the end of the street and kind of take a right over by uh, a bike trail. And I wait for the cop. And There's a turtle over there. Joey booted <laughs> it. <laughs> Stomped him out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so There's a bird in the sky. He threw rocks it. at yep. it. <laughs> I pissed on an ant bed. <laughs> While you're waiting on the cop. <laughs> So ants are filthy animals. <laughs> filthy <laughs> insects. I can't filthy. So anyway, the cop was completely um, supportive and um, took me to like I had Priscilla come pick up Waylon because I don't want to bring Waylon back so to white. this. Uh, all right. So <laughs> let's just expel the whole mystery. The cop was white and the owner was a black female. Oh, so that just Joey. sucks all the way around. I hated it. And so I actually go back to the house with the cop. And she immediately is just like, are you the one that kicked my dog? And the cop was like, hold, hold on, hold on. And she said, do you have kids? She was just like, no, ma'am. And he was like, look, the dog started to run after his son. He wanted to protect. And so immediately at least the girl said, okay, I understand, I understand. So anyway, next day was church, and I'm talking to uh, Toby and a good friend of ours. But you uh, didn't, I mean, the dog died. Keep going. The, <laughs> the, actually, the cop said the dog appears to be totally fine. Um, <laughs> one one eye was hanging out, <laughs> and then Joey and the white cop high five. <laughs> <laughs> that dog's fine. It, yeah, there's a little gurgle in his breathing, but that's my my dog's had a gurgle I think here before. High five, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are horrible. <laughs> yeah, we are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, all right. So let me bring on the big guns here. My stepfather-in-law. <laughs> I can't stop thinking of you jogging going, oh, God, I got to kick this dude. I got to kick this damn dog. <laughs> go away, buddy. Nope. All right. That was your warning. Was All your right. So, warning. so you went from, go away, buddy. It's dude, okay. I got to boot jaws. this thing. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, so I'm gonna. I, I wish we could have. I wish we could have my stepfather-in-law on the podcast because he has owned many dogs. Saint he has Bernard's. kicked more dogs than most of me. He's seen. owned. He knows a hundred times more about dogs than you guys. And he he looked at me emphatically and he said, "Look." When a dog is not on a leash and it runs it. after you, <laughs> no, he said, he said, I totally understand. He's like, you have no idea what the dog's gonna do. He said, he says, I don't even care if the dog's tail is wagging. That dog can go from a wagging tail to getting spooked by something that it perceives from the person that's running after. He's just like, yeah. He's like, there is absolutely no problem. He said, the the problem is that the owner should have had the dog on a leash. Sure. So you guys go ahead and have your jokes and have your fun. <laughs> that, I, I rest my case on that. It's I, just hilarious to me that you funny. would literally you, go, go from, story. go away, buddy. See you later. He didn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your own, you're, no, your own Wait. words are as hard as I could. Yeah, it's totally. I didn't want the dog coming back. I was like, if I kick a dog, it's got to be so hard. He's just like, I'm not effing with that guy. Yeah. And here's the thing is, after I spoke softly, that's when he's turned on Waylon. I know. No, he didn't turn on Waylon. He just ran he looked at him. near him. And the dog thought you were awesome. He was like, oh, hey, look, this guy's talking not to a, me. Not <laughs> two seconds this later. This guy's playing. He's friendly. <laughs> and now your son, you, Waylon, you now your son Waylon is him. also terrified of you. <laughs> <laughs> What happened when Waylon saw you kick the dog? He cried. <laughs> <laughs> no, Diddy. No, Diddy. Hey, here's What's Waylon supposed to think next time you say, go away, buddy. Go away. Leave you, me and your mommy alone. <laughs> Here, hey, here's what's funny is Waylon really understands a lot of, uh, he can't talk a lot, but he can understand a lot of talking. And so I was just like, Waylon. I kicked that dog because I needed to protect you, and I didn't know what that dog was going to do. <laughs> he responds, yes. <laughs> that was his only <laughs> response. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, don't let Reggie or Maybell or any other droopy. I don't care. I've actually had the reverse of that. Not the reverse of that, but a, a twist on that. I've been walking my dog and kicked him before, and then a na- my <laughs> female neighbor started yelling at me. <laughs> you kicked your own dog? Yeah, he was getting on my nerves. He was pu- Not I was as pu- hard as you could, No, though. no, but I ha- I was pulling. I mean, people here would probably side with the owner more than, than you because people love dogs here so much in Seattle. Yeah. I'm walking my dog up the street, and he is pulling backward. He's just misbehaving, as Reggie tends to do, and he's really getting on my nerves, and I kicked him in the ribs to get his attention, not because he was being stubborn. I didn't punt him but i kicked him in the ribs and this this lady got really mad but you could tell she was really nervous she must have been a dog lover because she didn't want to confront me because she thinks thinks i'm this violent guy and she goes hey man that's not cool you can't do that and and just starts saying stuff like that to me and i I just kind of laughed and kept walking (laughs) but she was really up you could tell she was really upset because of me abusing my dog but i just kicked my dog a little bit in the rear it wasn't a big deal but Joe, you have like an actual fear of dogs, though. Like you, not, your whole family kind of fears, and like when they come, they are very scared of Maybell. I actually like dogs. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I actually like dogs, but I do not trust them. <laughs> 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 well, I just think it's funny that you went from like, "Hey, buddy." Yeah, but when I was saying, hey, scoot, buddy, I was already scared. Scoot a little bit away, buddy. I thought the dog was going to bite me. But I mean, like, like why wouldn't you? Like, that's what I thought was funny is like, my if you did that, the next logical thing to do would be like all right go on like go yes stomp at it right but here's the thing and and whether i'm right or wrong i don't care 
just seeing part pit bull. I was just I've heard horror stories about pit bulls, so I'm have thinking. You, have you ever been bitten by a dog? No, I've not. How many dogs you've been around in your life? Uh, many. I mean, <laughs> so, <lots of> <laughs> so I mean, proof in, in your life that doesn't happen. Like you said, I've heard many stories, just horror stories of, of pit bulls. Uh, no, no yeah, but I mean that's the ones that get the most sensationalized. I mean, honestly, I think more other dogs attack way more than pit bulls. I agree, pit bulls are scary. I agree, but I mean, like the idea of you just like going from zero yeah, to one hundred is. I think fun. it's hey, fine when you're dad, man. <laughs> I'm a dad. If I yeah, yeah one but, day I'll know. So I would like to see a pit bull start running after June. But Waylon was inside a stroller, and you were jogging, and the dog showed no. It was wagging its tail. Nasty animal, I tell you that. that nasty animal. <laughs> All of them. All right, guys. That, after that just intense story of just <laughs> horrible, racist, specious <laughs> animal abuse that Joey just gave, we need we need something to uh, bring us back to to reality. Let's let's do it. When your friend kicks dogs in the face, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know what to say. <laughs> in a world where a dog. Dragged a baby out of a river that was drowning and <laughs> saved it. And saved it. And then it was trying to help another. And it was a pit bull. And it was just wanting some attention. <laughs> and your pastor booted it in the face. <laughs> I'm Toby Morell. This is the damn news. <laughs> I mean, that's what people have to say. Hey, you like your pastor? Yeah, he's pretty nice. I mean, sometimes he kicks dogs in the face. But, but, man, he brings the scripture. He brings the scripture. You, you know what's funny is there's actually a church in Charleston where one Sunday a year, uh, everyone is encouraged to bring their uh, pet in for a blessing. <laughs> and it's it's the most attended Sunday of the year for really? that church. Yeah, people bring their dogs in for blessings. So I definitely would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Going off the, the dog story here, uh, the dog story for Joey, I'll move on to my own dog story. Andrea Hutzler leaves dog poop field box for thieves. And this comes from the Huffington Post. <clears throat> Having packages stolen from your front door is a crappy experience for anyone, but a woman in Washington, D.C. got her sweet revenge in a very stinky way. After having numerous packages stolen in front of her house, Andrea Hutzler started leaving packages of dog poop instead, <laughs> and the crooks quickly took them away. My Fox Detroit, this happened in Detroit, reports Hutzler said she's been plagued by doorstep thieves uh, for the past two months. Christmas gifts, clothes, and even a six-foot-long aluminum construction pole had been stolen in, uh, in front of her house. Hustler set up a surveillance camera on her front door and discovered the same Grinch was repeatedly stealing items. All told, police say an estimated eight hundred fifty-eight dollars worth of goods have been stolen from Hustler. So she started; she took matters into her own hands, used a shovel, picked up some dog poo, and then put it in a box. And that's what they started stealing. Man, that it would be so awesome if she could have just put a remote control explosive device in it as well, just a small one that it, when he opened it or something, it would actually blow up the poop on the guy. Would have been awesome. Uh, oh, that would have been amazing. I thought you were going to say kill the guy. Yeah, kill yeah. him. I was thinking you were going to say like a spring with a boot attached to it. So it <laughs> caught him, him right in the, the face. face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Toby told me about Toby told me last week, probably two years after the fact, that he left a Snickers bar on my front doorstep, licked both sides. <laughs> and he tells me a year and a half later, dude, it was so awesome. And you thought so one, you night, remember one night, one night, 
Well, one night Jessica and I were on a date night, and we were uh, kind of near Joey and Priscilla's house. So I was like, we didn't really have anything to do, so we went and bought like a baby Ruth, and I licked it all over and ro- rolled it into <laughs> like a turd and put it on Joey's door. And then we didn't say anything until like, I, what? It's been like just a, less like than a week. week. Yeah. That's awesome. That reminds me of another t- Toby story. He took a, a a Hershey bar, chewed it up, and rolled it into two balls, and set it on a roommate in college. Andy's book like uh, open like on like he had a book like he was reading a novel that he was reading for school and he took the turds and set them directly on top of the book as if the dog Devin had a dog named Simon (laughs) but as if the dog came in and took a shit right on the book. (laughs) <laughs> well Simon had been shitting in the house And so I did that I put like two little candy bars in, And Andy came in and was like Simon no No Because it was like on his books That he had just got from the library <laughs> Alright Matt this comes from your neck of the woods In Sammamish Washington Alright You ever been to Sammamish? I have Okay cool cool That's cool That's just across the lake Yep, the AP, well, it's funny that you mentioned the lake. The AP here is reporting that a male thief flees in kayak and gets caught by a vigilante kayaker, say the cops. Nice. A fast-pedaling Good Samaritan in a kayak helps sheriff's deputies in Washington State nab a suspected Christmas male thief. Q13 reports deputies received multiple calls on Wednesday morning that a man and a woman were going through mailboxes around the town of Sammamish. While deputies were on their way, residents spotted a car filled with mail and used their cars to block it in. I guess, I mean, that's crazy if it was filled with mail. I wonder if they, like, I mean, could they see? It must have been, like, packed Must have been a lot of mail. mail. Um, but I think that's cool. Like, the residents actually blocked them in the cars in their car. Like, these people are, like, serious in some damage. This, but then the suspected mail thieves ran off. One was immediately caught. The other fled to a, into a nearby pond with a kayak he grabbed out of the yard. Whoa, he a tried to get away by water. Yeah. A resident grabbed his own kayak, caught up to the suspect, and convinced him to return to shore where he was arrested. This is the best part. The sheriff's office say that the suspect didn't get very far because he was using his hands to paddle. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy caught up to him easily and was like, dude, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, he, it wasn't probably just, you. just go back. I mean, you tried to steal mail. But uh, doing circles like, that's like around a serious you, crime, right? <laughs> Well, it's a serious crime stealing mail. Yeah, it's federal. Yeah. It's a federal thing because it's you know. I mean, I think it's a weird loophole, but they. I guess they just use that in the in the criminal justice system. Anything that has to do with a federal thing, they can get you on federal charges and throw you in federal prison. So, like they say, put hitting a mailbox, go mailbox bashing, which we used to do when I was a teenager. They say oh, that's a federal crime because you're hitting U.S. post yeah. office property. So even to go hit a baseball bat for a, you know. $20 mailbox is a federal crime, so they could get as serious as they want to real fast there, and it sounds really intimidating. So, yes, tampering with the mail. They get the they get the mobsters and gangsters on mail fraud all the time, people, like, because they yeah. can make the penalties really stiff, and it's not that hard. So if you know somebody's done a bunch of other crimes, you get them on something that's a federal crime or tampering with mail or federal, you know, mail fraud or something like that. So, yeah, it's a scary one. Don't mess with the all mail. Right. You can mess with FedEx and UPS, not even the same category. And they probably have better packages in FedEx and UPS anyway, so it's really not smart to mess with the mail. That's true. Um, all right, guys, I I got two more stories. Can I do both of them? Yeah. Y'all cool with that? I'm cool. As long as they Thanks, have to Joey. do with dog poop. Well, they don't. Um, I'll save the last story because the last story kind of involves one of Joey's passions. But um, I thought this was interesting. This comes from the Huffington Post as well. Um, the CIA on UFOs, it was us. 
because we were kind of talking about uh, conspiracy theories like last week, and uh, you know we've talked about them on and off. But it says if you ha- <clears throat> if you had trouble identifying certain flying objects in the skies in the 1950s and 1960s, the CIA has an answer for you. Although it's not the answer uh, most people want to have hoped for. Reports of unusual activity in the skies in the 1950s, the CIA tweeted, it was us. By way of explanation, the intelligence agency linked the lengthy to a, linked to a lengthy 1998 report on U-2 spy plane activities from the 1950s and 60s. So there's a 272-page 272 272-page 272 document, and, and it says this. High-altitude testing of the U-2 uh, soon led to an unexpected, unexpected side effect, a tremendous increase in reports of unidentified flying objects. In the mid-1950s, most commercial airliners flew at altitudes between 10,000 and 20,000 feet, Consequently, once U-2s started flying at altitudes above 60,000 feet, air traffic controllers began receiving increasing numbers of UFO reports. Wow. So it's kind of like what you said, Matt. You said you don't believe in conspiracy theories, and right. honestly, there's always like a pretty simple answer. I've always thought that. I always thought like our government or somebody's government, those flying objects were just something that we were doing. You know what I mean? Like it's just a, some kind of drone or something like an early drone or whatever it might be. I just kind of think that. Right. Well, always. that's that just falls in line with any of my principles is human bias is always the first thing I look for. And I think people always want the sensationalized idea. So you would gravitate towards saying, ooh, what if, what if on anything. And that's what most conspiracy theories are about. So there's probably a better explanation that that is not going to be circulated or have websites made about it because it's boring. So that's why I, I don't tend to in fact, I have a policy that says, and this is just mathematical, that there's no reason to believe any conspiracy theory. So I say no to all of them because then that means statistically I'm going to be the most right. So I'm not even saying there couldn't be one that could be true. But if I'm going to pick and choose and guess which one is, I'm going to guess I'm going to probably guess the wrong one. And then I'll be wrong about two things. So you're better <laughs> off. You're better off to just stick with the policy of none of them are true, which none of them have ever been proven to be true, by the way. That's a. a a, a statistic, if you will, nothing that's ever ex- there's conspiracies to be sure, and then they get found. Be they they get found out all the time. So people conspire, and those things are investigated and found out. But there's never been something that has existed in pop culture as a conspiracy theory that has later been found out through investigation or any other way to be true. It's never happened before. So you got to go with the odds on that. I'd be super interested at some point to talk to you guys about uh, 9-11. I'm curious what y'all think about that, if y'all think it's a conspiracy and stuff. So, Matt, you I you already told you, it. no. They do investigations. Yeah, I don't think it was either. They God. do the investigations. You think, a, you think it was a conspiracy? Oh, my gosh. There's just... I mean, you think the U.S. No government way. did that to... No, not necessarily. Not, I, I don't think the U.S. government had to be involved. I, I here's, here's the thing. I don't think... I think to be the president of the United States, you either are told afterwards or before that uh, I think there's an element of you're not in charge. I mean, yeah, right. And there are conspiracies probably within our own government, but there's nobody who knows what they are and is trying to point at them. And then later that person will be proven true. That's what I'm saying. It's not existing as a conspiracy theory, and then later verified that that those crazy people were right all along. That's not I mean, happening. You guys are overlooking. Now, there, there, the, no, the there very are conspiracies, basics, though. There are conspiracies that happen, but they either will be found out or they won't. But these pop culture ones are nothing. Cons- conspiracy theories exist, but the movie that you can stream on Netflix doesn't have it figured out. I'll put it that way. Tight. All right, here's my last story, and this one goes for to you, Joey. It's from the AP. Failed pizza shop robber busted by toilet paper roll. Dang. I thought this was pretty cool. Or in, not cool. <laughs> Dumb of the guy. 
Police say they matched a would-be pizza shop robber to a roll of toilet paper in his Pennsylvania home. Uniontown police say 29-year-old Eric Frey tried to rob Michael Mary Michael Maria's pizza on Saturday by handing an employee a note written on toilet paper that read, I have a gun, give me $300. <laughs> he wrote it on toilet paper. <laughs> police arrived before Frey could leave because an employee hit a panic button, which I guess the, pa- I guess the pizza place might get robbed a lot if they have a panic button. Yep. Uh, Frey told officers he was forced to commit the robbery by a large bearded man with a gun who accosted him in a nearby alley. <laughs> but police say a search of Frey's apartment wiped out that explanation. That's because where it, they say they say they you want to go ahead, Matt? No, they matched the toilet paper they'd written it on, proving they brought it from his house. That's where they say they found a newly opened roll of toilet paper with the pen impression from Frey's <laughs> note on the outer sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, I mean, that's hilarious. He wrote on. He couldn't find just a. a I mean, if he would have written it on just a sheet of paper, he, you know what I mean, it would have had better. But I mean, so since he wrote it. The question on is, the toilet paper. The, what's interesting about that is, does that? I mean, what if you, if somebody really did go into an alley and tell you, "Hey, I'm going to kill you," or go find your family and kill them if you don't go rob this place and give me the money and bring it out? Now, then you would go do it, and then you would go, and if you did get busted during that robbery, you would tell the cops that story. If you couldn't prove it, what I mean, there's, is that not possibly legitimate? Like they got him in this case because with the toilet paper. But if had that yeah. not been for the toilet paper, what would have happened to this man? Well, you're saying like, what if you? It sounds to me like they if, they went back. To, he's like he's like he's he tried to tell them the story. And they're like, okay, well maybe he's telling the truth. If that's the case, can we search your house? He's like, yeah, sure. So they were checking him out to see if that story was true or not. Otherwise, they would have never. Warranted, you know, they would have just busted him for the crime right away. So they must have been trying to hear him out. Yeah, that's true. Like that gives you like almost an out. What you should do if you're going to rob a place, just go look or drive around town, find a place where like a, a shady big man is standing yeah. near like a convenience store or pizza place. You go in when you when you hold, say pass the sheet of paper to him. Say, listen, I'm not. The guy outside is telling me to do this. Please, just give me the money. He says he's going to hurt family. my family. Yeah. Please, 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 just help me out. I'll try to. I'll pay you back myself. Don't That's let my family one, die. And and then they then they give you the money and you run. And then you you know if you get caught, you just blame it on that guy. Because I didn't do anything. But you, you yeah. Know, but even if you, you wanted right to guy. have a nonviolent robber, you could go in somewhere and even have a gun and act a little scared and say, "There's somebody forcing me to do it. They've got my children, man. Just p- please do this. We'll, we'll get the money sorted out later. But just please give me a thousand dollars. They're going to hurt my kids. I'm so sorry to do this to you. Please give me the thousand dollars and then yeah, i'm gonna try that tomorrow you could just do that on your own and that way you'd be assured of probably a better chance of your the people being going along with your robbery attempt at least good idea yeah. and that is news with toby guys all right joey i think you're kind of starting to come around to my news i feel like i see you with more smiles kind of more joy news with my- toby is brought to you by luke Haglin. Perfect Jonathan, pronunciation. Jonathan Puth Carey. Great again. <laughs> you pronounce P O T H E. Jonathan C- is pissed at you right A-R-Y. now. A R Y. Tyler. I said Jonathan Awesome. <laughs> Tyler Hartwig, Matt Phelps, William Neal. Nice. Chelsea. Bill Neal. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ch- Chelsea Casper. Thank you guys for being a part of the BC Club. And. Uh, supporting news with Toby. Toby, I, I do have some bad news to tell you, though. We've you actu- we've actually had some people that we've called out here after the news with Toby, and they've been disgruntled that we 
said that they support your news. You're kidding. Now, it's a, I, I'm going to be very fair and say it's a major exception to the rule. Most people are proud. They didn't want their name news, being associated with the news. But there have been some people that have just been like, bullshit. We didn't sign up to, uh, to have our name be called out as supporters of news. So I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. I don't think it's the majority, but those people do exist, and I, I think we owe them an apology, and I think it would be best coming from you. Can you can you just say something nice to me? Can you just apologize? You just, if, if you can say one <laughs> thing nice to me right now, just one thing that's nice. You're my best friend. Oh, Sammy just kicked <laughs> me in the, the you in the face. <laughs> he said something nice and kicked me in the damn chin. You mother... Damn it, Joey. Hurt, Joey. <laughs> I'm actually holding my chin. <laughs> 